Hello, and welcome to Affable Chat. My name is Benjamin, and this is Joey. Hey, how's it going? And today we're talking about Point Break. Why can't I just walk around with this thing under my arm and act stone, ask a few questions? Well, look. Look at them. They're like some kind of tribe. They got their own language. You can't just walk up to those guys. You have to get out there and learn the moves, get into their head, pick up the speech. You're trying to tell me the FBI is going to pay me to learn to surf. It's either you or me out there on the board. You get my drift? Angelo, this is for little rubber people who don't shave yet. Come on. You're the quarterback, Jock. It's all balance, right? And coordination. How hard can it be? This is an action crime thriller drama heist. Directed by Catherine Bigelow. The cast includes, whoa, a ghost, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Biff Tannen, Lori Petty, and FBI Dr. Cox. I watched this movie on YouTube. Joey, how did you watch it? I also watched it on YouTube. Nice. All right, give us the synopsis. A man orders two meatball subs. That is Point Break. Let's get right into it. I think this movie has a fantastic premise, uh, a great plot and good pacing throughout. Uh, it has a really good representation for surfer culture, at least what I hope surfer culture is actually like. Uh, it has exciting action, unexpected twists, a great antagonist, funny dialogue, and a spectacular ending. Joey, what did you like about it? It's, uh, I agree with all those things. It's intense, it's simple, and it's a poetic film. There's a lot of cool action and really iconic like moments throughout. Um, some of the things I didn't like about it, uh, it's a little too serious, and there's a lack of an actual underlying message, in my opinion. What about you? I thought that there was definitely some cheeseball action in here. There's definitely some cringy dialogue, and I think that the sidekicks for Bodhi uh, were a little bit forgettable. Okay, let's move on to our overall. So I think there's so much to love about this movie. There's so many iconic lines, all these iconic moments. Um, it's been remade and referenced just constantly. Um, there's knowing, um, knowing what's going to happen kind of only makes the movie better. It strengthens the themes of nature and like the tide, and it ebbs and flows towards a strange and haunting ending that just stays with you for long after you've finished the movie. Yes, yeah, one of the most memorable endings uh, to like a crime thriller that I've ever seen. Actually, have you seen the remake? You re you you mentioned that. Yes, there's I have a, seen the remake. What'd you think? It's bad. It's bad. Yeah, <laughs> as I've heard, um, I this is personally I'm surprised that they remade this movie because it is. I'm so, not surprised. Well, honestly, really, why not? No, because it's so iconic. You know, people love it, and I mean, f uh, Fast and Furious. That's a that's a remake of this movie. It's basically the same thing, except that it's not instead of surfers, it's uh, um, street racers. And I mean, that, that franchise is still going. You know, they have, they're coming out with the, what, the ninth one coming out pretty soon? Hobbs and Shaw with uh, they like they abandoned the entire cast before. But yeah, it's. Anyway, th this movie like has so many things that are like go for it. So many pieces that are just so good that people are like, oh, I could do that. I could do that. I could do that. I can see it, you know? And th the reason that they remake it is because they're like, we can up the ante. No, we can show more extreme stunts, but that's not the point. You know, the point is like the execution. 
and the simplicity. I think that this, it sets itself apart. There are movies that are like Point Break, but I think remaking the actual, like you could make Point Break without calling it Point Break. You know what I'm saying? And I think that that would go over better with an audience than saying this is Point Break again, because this movie is just so, such a, like a, a classic. You're really, the bar is too high. I don't think you can really remake it unless you do like a. Well, what if, I mean, if there's a sequel, if there's a sequel what would you call it though? I mean. I don't think it needs break. a sequel. It, it's just point such a good. Here. It's such a good. <laughs> two two point two break. <laughs> it's just so. Uh, it it works so well uh, by itself. I don't. I think it's one of those movies that's best left alone. But I wasn't sure because I haven't seen the remake, so I'll have to take your word for it. But this 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 is just a legendary action film. The like the premise is so unique. I lo- one of the things I love about Point Break is how you can ask other people if they've seen it because it's like, <laughs> have you seen Point Break? You know the one with the surfers that rob banks. It's like, oh, you know, if they have seen it, they're like, oh yeah, I do remember having seen that. If they haven't, they're like, what surfer? Like, you know, that just puts it's an image intriguing. in your mind. Yeah, no, that's high concept for sure. Exactly, and um, and it's and it's even better because it's so masterfully executed like you could have a really cheesy film where surfers literally surf into the bank and steal the money but this is just done (laughs) so well Uh, it it keeps you in the dark but also gives you clues that you know make perfect sense when you finally find out who the robbers are although i feel like it's not that hard to figure it out Uh, but they at least kind of take you on a little chase and uh the the end yes the end is so iconic and it's also it feels like you're completing a journey when you finally get there because you do get to see at least the uh how dynamic our main character johnny utah is which also what a fantastic name for the protagonist johnny (laughs) utah like you can't be named johnny utah unless you're a former quarterback you know like you can't i mean it's obviously kind of a play on johnny unitas uh who's a very famous legendary quarterback i mean they even call him johnny unitas in this movie when gary Busey gets introduced he's like yeah my new partner some johnny unitas or something you know it's yeah he's they kind of it's very on the nose like this is clearly a like cookie cutter quarterback name but it works really well it sure does yeah, I think the, the script is really tight and the plot like moves forward and just kind of giving and giving, just like you were saying. Like the story is very simple, but there's a lot of setups and payoffs that pay off to like a really satisfying watching experience. And there are twists and turns, but like I don't really think they are that like the twists and turns don't like aid the movie that much. Like it, it kind of makes it more exciting and stuff, but once you know what's gonna happen, once you see it more than once, it's kind of just like, oh, I know what's gonna happen, and everything kind of falls into place so naturally. I mean like there isn't any point where they're like where like Bodhi takes off the mask, you know? It's not a point where you're like, oh, and it's Bodhi. Dramatic reveal, you know? It's you just kind of have to go through it with like the implication. It's almost like he it was always Bodhi. How did you not know it was always Bodhi? That's kind of the the implication that they give you, right? Well, because it, you see him with the mask on, and then you see him later talking about the bank robberies without it. So. Yeah, I think you're right. There's not like a one defining, oh, it's him moment. And they're always hinting at it throughout the film. But I'm a little bit, it's a little bit harder for me to realize like when or or to notice when I really realized he was the bad guy because I've seen this movie a couple times already. So I knew obviously it was Patrick Swayze from the beginning. You do get that one scene where it's like after the chase uh, and he like looks back at him and you see his eyes. But I don't think that's really like a reveal because the fact that they caught them there means it's them, you know, because the, re- the whole reason that they're staking out that bank is because they 
because uh, they know that they were staking it out before, right? Like they, right. they know that they uh, they went to the bank to either deposit a check or to take 20 minutes to take a look at what's going on inside. So like once once the ex-president showed up to the bank that was previously visited by the surfer boys, you knew it was them. And, and yeah, and I think it, it may be missing that reveal moment. But at the same time, I don't know if it, it 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 was just so logical. I don't know if it really needed a, a no. Reveal. I don't think it does, and I think I think the movie like fits with that. And I think it benefits on that rewatch because you know from the beginning that like what Bodhi's about, and you never see him like pretend to be anything other than what he is, which is so interesting, right? Yeah, but, yeah. Like, still, there's still that payoff. You know, there's still that payoff when he gets out of the car. Johnny Utah goes out of the car and says, "Freeze, FBI!" And you like know that he like blew his cover. You know, he put all his cards on the table, and the ex presidents know. Um, who he is, and he knows who they are. You know, it's it's all out there, and um, and then it's in, you know followed by the most intense on foot you know, uh, action scene ever, the great chase. But yeah, there's so many moments in this movie like that where there's movies moments that make you kind of grip your seat and clench your fist, and you're like, what's gonna happen next? What's gonna happen next? That's what you show it's, up at an action movie for. Yeah, despite like the predictability, I think of some of the twists. I feel like the ending is still like haunting. It's still like. It's different, you know, and it, it it doesn't end with like a happy ending or like some sort of, you know, natural conclusion. It's it's something else. And even though you kind of see it coming, it's still or you can you know, it's going to happen. It's hard to see it coming. That's what right. I'm yeah. Saying. And it's still very satisfying, the execution of it. But um, staying on the premise really quick, I, I really I really love the way that this movie respects surfing culture. And I'm not much of a surfer. In fact, I'm not a surfer at all. Decent at, <laughs> decent at boogie boarding, okay? Um, but enough about me. This movie does a good job of, uh, I guess, promoting uh, what they say is surfing culture. There's so many dreamy surfing uh, like kind of sequences where they kind of they try to give it this otherworldly feel and, and convey to you this message of like why these characters are so drawn to the like being part of the culture being part of serving like it's a great movie to watch right now actually because the weather is starting to heat up this movie just makes me want to blast some beach boys and go find my swim trunks but like <laughs> it's, it's just something it's so appealing uh but they also it goes beyond just the act of surfing too it's kind of a lifestyle uh it's very spiritual when johnny goes to buy his first surfboard there's like a little 12 year old at the counter who's like whoa man d like i hope you stick with it plenty of people are getting into surfing at your age like you're gonna you know this is like it's it'll change your life man which at the time you're like okay whatever 12 year old you know next week you'll be telling me the same thing about freaking you know uh Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> it'll i hope you stick with it man plenty of guys are getting into Yu-Gi-Oh at your age <laughs> it'll change your life <laughs> but but it, it goes beyond obviously just that little kid everyone has this reverence for w surfing and and just the the lifestyle of it um they say it's the best feeling on earth um so you know it's it's i think they do a really good job of conveying the lifestyle that our antagonists i will, would call them i guess um have and and why they live for these thrills um but also what kind of a commitment it is, you know, it's yeah. uh, it's it's truly a way of life. And Johnny starts to get into that and becomes a part of it, which makes him a much more intriguing character because he is such a like by the book FBI rookie. Uh, but then he finds the surfing lifestyle and it completely changes him, uh, which is really nice to have such a dynamic protagonist. Uh, this even yeah. this even extends to th the relationships, too, which I noticed like. 
Tyler and Bodie used to be a couple. In fact, when she's talking to Johnny about Bodie, he just comes up and kisses her straight up and she's like, okay, put me down. You know, like that's, they're not even at that point in like a relationship, which I think just extends this whole casual surfer lifestyle. You know, like, oh, we're all in love. You know, we all, uh, it's not a big deal if we used to be in a relationship, you know, that, that's, that ship has, that wave has passed, man. You uh, know, yeah, that it's all, crashed. yeah, that's all part of the life. You know, now we're on to the next one. You know, if you, you know, maybe that, that, maybe that wave was meant for you, man, you know, and like, <laughs> so it doesn't, not for me. <laughs> so it's, I, which, you know, I, I think it's cool that it be, goes beyond just being like, thrills, bro. Uh, and then at the end of the movie, even, when they're in Australia and Bodhi, you know, it, it's a very intense moment between Johnny and Bodhi because it's, I finally caught him. You know, it's time to go to time to go to prison. He, he asks him, you still surfing? And he assures him that it's every day, bro. <laughs> 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 it is every day, bro. Yeah, so I, I really um, I really do like that surfing culture. Yeah, and I mean I mean they paint Bodhi in like a very sympathetic light and they, they make they do all of these things to make him seem like he's a good guy. He's really much he's kind of a modern day movie villain in that way, and that he's like he like a lot of the things he says influences our our protagonist heavily. You know, a lot of the things that he does like the protagonist kind of takes with him and like changes his mind about the way he sees the world, um, which, you know, makes him like, even though he's the bad guy in the movie, he's not necessarily a bad guy. Right. Yeah. It's just he has a different view on the world. And we'll get to him in a minute. But first, I want to talk about some of the great action in this movie, because you can't oh, have yeah. a great action movie without great action. And this film has plenty of it. Uh, some of my in favorites include like the rating, the crack house, uh, because it has first off, it has the naked woman who ends up taking out two FBI agents without yes. any clothes on, which is pretty <laughs> impressive to me. Um, and that's like definitely a, uh, you know, women can fight too uh thing that they include in Women this movie can be crack uh crack addicts too <laughs> yes and johnny tackles a guy through a window which is yeah. in key in keeping with his character as a former football player very impressive i really liked that from him and also that epic chase scene one of my like i, I don't know I, I i can't i don't have like a running catalog of all the chase scenes i've ever seen but this is probably somewhere in my top 10 uh it just it's really exciting to and it's also not just in the car it's also on foot uh, which I liked a lot. Plus, that Ronald Reagan with a flamethrower is just such a oh, it's so cool, so cool. <laughs> There's a, so much good action. Now. The part with the crack house is amazing. I mean, the part with the the lawnmower, and you see how close his face gets to the lawnmower. Like, how did they possibly film that? Oh my god! I was wondering like, that too. In the whole, I was like, like <laughs> he's getting closer and closer, and you're just like, ah! um, it's really, but yeah, it's it's so intense, and they um they do such a good job, like with all the action, keeping everything in frame, keeping everything together. It's not too much chaos, not too much quick cuts. You know, it's a lot of you know solid hits and like moving around. Um, so yeah, it, it really gives like a very satisfying watching experience from the action set point and. Yeah, the that chase scene is so good, especially the ending when he can't shoot Bodhi because he like he loves him too much. Ah! He ever fired a gun in the air and said, "Ah!" That's uh, oh. it's just that's uh, just so good. <laughs> Which is good. I did like that. It's like the release of the tension yeah. from pointing and you see a gun. His, yeah, and, and that's like another payback with his knee because his knee goes out um, because he had that problem when he was in um, in college, right? So. Yeah, all of that comes together into this really great moment, and it just leads into itself um, so nicely. 
Yeah. There, I, there's also the, of course, the, the, the most famous scene, which is the skydiving scene when he jumps out of the plane without his parachute and catches Bodhi. And he puts him in like a prisoner's dilemma, right? He like has the gun to his head and he's like, whatever, like, uh, pull the shoot or, um, you know, pull the shoot or you're going to die. And he's like, you pull the shoot or drop your gun. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> it is great. And he's like, what can I do? What can I do? That feel when not it's, enough hands. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, 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 that's great too. And I, I'm glad you brought that up because on, like, I, I think bringing the extreme sports angle into this gives you just more opportunity for action, not just violent action, but also just extreme sports action. Like the, the skydiving is extremely well filmed. I mean, I, I don't, I'm not familiar with the process of sky, filming skydivers, but it, I mean, I, it looks like they went skydiving. Yeah. And <laughs> like, they have like angles from every, I mean, they have close up angles and stuff. There's the, what's the one guy comes in and punches him in the face and stuff. Like there's all these like great moments from the camera's perspective. And like, it looks like, like Johnny's coming in and, or like from above or from below. So yeah, there's, and they, they show like the distance between Bodie and Johnny when he's closing in on him and stuff like all of that. It's like expertly done you can tell exactly what's going on without too much confusion um but they still you know have that shaky camness to kind of give you a sense of urgency you know a sense of uh, being right there in the action so yeah there's, uh, it's just expertly done and i mean Catherine bigelow and her future films like uh um zero dark 30 and her locker and stuff i mean she's always done suspenseful action really really well and this movie is no exception. Yeah, she is truly amazing. But I think it's not the action is not perfect. There are definitely some cheese ball moments in there uh, that I that for me made me groan a little bit. As much as I loved the idea of the lawnmower and I and like putting his face so closer, I was like, dang, well, how do they do it? Because that's the moneymaker for uh, yeah. Keanu Reeves. Like it, <laughs> a slip up there could be catastrophic. But but um, if you look, he's holding onto the wheels, the wheels that spin not moments later, um, which I guess that's definitely a nitpick. But I when I was looking, I was like, how is he holding himself? It, I, I try to think about it if it was the other way around, if this was a little bit more brutal, like maybe if it was a John Wick film and it was a goon who was trying to hold his face out of the lawnmower and John Wick was going to push him in, he would easily push him in. Like it was kind of like, <laughs> okay, how is he? not actually getting pushed into it it's because he's keanu reeves he he's is got that will that's fine and it was cool we'll but, but what i thought was more ridiculous about that scene was that gary Busey comes over and shoots the lawnmower to, to like disable it and i was like <laughs> oh that's that's so convenient that that's easy you know <laughs> depending on what movie you're watching shooting a lawnmower could cause an explosion right like <laughs> so it, it just so you know and and that's these are more of nitpicks but like it, it also um like during the foot chase, I felt like that was a time when the cinematography kind of took a little bit of a drop off because there is there's like this one particular scene where like the cameraman is chasing Keanu Reeves and then he like turns the corner because a lot of them, it's just like a quick shot, quick shot, quick shot. This one, it follows him. Keanu Reeves turns a corner and then the camera turns to see him reaching the end of the wall and it's like, or the end of like the pathway. And it kind of looks like he thought the shot was over, but it wasn't yet. And I was just like, huh? <laughs> Again, probably, these are definitely nitpicks, but there are just times in this film where I felt like it was like the editing could have been a little bit better with the action. This made me a little bit cringe, but um, also the I'm unarmed spin. I love it. I'm, I'm definitely going to record this and put it on our Twitter because... Do you know what I'm talking about? When he yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. When he about. shows up to I don't the... Know, what's your problem with it? 
<laughs> it's hilarious. That's my problem with it. He shows up to the to the airplane where uh, Patrick Swayze and Roach are getting ready to take off after everything's gone wrong. Well, not every, actually, no. They still have a couple of guys al- alive at that point. Yeah. But Keanu Reeves, to prove that he's unarmed, like pulls his shirt up and does a quick twirl. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think maybe I was looking for the comedy in it, but it it, it really made me laugh. Um, But none of that, none of what I just brought up matters in the big picture because I think like the plot is so solid. Like they keep you guessing every, you know, enough that you're going to like, like for instance, I I, I think that the thinking that the Nazi guys were the ex-presidents, I couldn't even remember that there were those Nazi guys in this movie when I was coming back into it because I think they're largely inconsequential, but it is an entertaining sequence, um, oh, yeah. which is why, which I think is what matters. You know, it, like I know it makes like I mean it makes sense in the plot too, right? They they find some guys they think they're them, but it's, but it's not them. It turns out that you know they they had the they were barking up the wrong tree. Yeah. So and, and the the like conclusion of that sequence is actually really great because they find out that there was a guy in there who was an undercover DEA agent and they just totally mm. ruined his investigation. Like yeah. Which re- How does that even happen? You know? Well, the FBI obviously wasn't chatting with the DEA enough. I guess so. They were just going too they're too going too quickly. Johnny Utah fly, uh, shooting from the hip, you know. They should have t- taken more time before doing this raid. I don't know. Um but what actually would have hit harder is if they had killed the DEA agent. I was surprised he lived, you know? But what if they had found out, it's like, jo- like Johnny, you killed our guy, you know? Like, you're, you're way out of line. And uh, they could have had a really yeah. cliche, like, I want your badge. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I thought that was good, because at that point, you know, if you don't know the story, it's like, well, now where do they go? They, they, the guys that they thought were it weren't it. In fact, they were some other thing. And so not only do they not do anything with their own case, but they ruined another case. So it's like a really low moment for them. Uh, and mm-hmm. I thought that that was done well. But other like minor twists, they had when they go skydiving and both characters know, Bodie knows and Johnny knows who they really are but they're putting on this facade like they're still friends and they go skydiving and there's the whole bag switching thing which i thought was done really well because i'd seen the movie but i was like wait is this the part where he doesn't have a parachute because he, yeah they asked to switch bags but then they switch bags multiple times and you're like wait did johnny end up with his own bag again so when they jump out it, you're suspenseful because you're like oh no is johnny not gonna have his parachute bag but it's like nope they actually just wanted to go skydiving with him you know it just <laughs> it's just kind of nice and then they get you again because you're like oh they're friends again and nope they cat they they've got tyler you know and uh and on that tiny tv yeah it's just this roller coaster of emotions yeah <laughs> on the uh they set up the vhs or whatever or betamax um and then they also use him in a robbery like that's how that's their insurance policy to be like all right now you have to do a robbery with us and you don't get a mask like super cool and then also at the like right before the, he actually does jump out of a plane without a parachute Bodie's on the phone with Rosie and Johnny's telling him, cancel the order, you know, don't kill Tyler. And he's like, you know what? Nah, I'm just going to throw the phone and then I'm going to jump and also throw this gun so you can chase me with a gun. Like that at that point, you're like, no, Tyler's definitely dead. And uh, Johnny, all he can do now is go and kill him. But it turns out he needed to make it to the ground to cancel the uh, to cancel the order. So it's I don't know. I love little setups and payoffs like that all throughout. Oh, yeah. So, despite itself, I think the movie kind of has some depth to it. There, the, the characters do have a lot of dimension, which I think some of the, the most of the remakes don't like capture as well. Not even Fast and Furious, and the, I feel like they're brought to life really well with Keanu Reeves and Patrick Swayze. 
and they strain they share this kind of strange chemistry as their relationship kind of develops over the movie because they first start off as rivals and then they become friends and then they become rivals again but like in a deeper way and i think the acting kind of elevates this movie to not maybe not the greatest thing ever but i think it's very much appropriate uh, i think patrick swayze does such a great job inhabiting uh bodhi uh especially but like i've there's apparently like a stage play that goes on uh for this movie and they get random audience member, like a random audience member to read Keanu Reeves' line to capture his like bad line reading apparently. But I don't know, like, I, I don't know if I agree with that. I wanted to ask you I, about this because I've heard some people say this is some of his worst acting. I don't, like, I think he fits into the, like, I'm a surfer bro thing so well. You know, like, you'd really believe it. I mean, it's kind of hard to divorce it from, like, it's Keanu Reeves, but it's also, like, this is how I think Keanu Reeves really acts. Like, you know, like I don't, I would, it wouldn't be that much of a stretch for me to believe that he is like a surfer. Well, he, it, well, actually, not that's an interesting fact, but I'll get to in a minute. But like, yeah, he is like a surfer bro, you know, and he kind of talks like this and he kind of acts in this kind of like zen, flowy way, you know. I, I like, I think, I like all those lines, especially the ones that are like, it's like very over the top and stuff. It's like, I don't know, like it the power is there. The emotion is there and I can see it. The volume and is there. <laughs> the volume is there. Like I don't know. I don't know if the movie would be better if it was done with a more subtle acting. Honestly, I think it I think it fits with the character, it fits with the movie. It, it, the whole movie is rather melodramatic and everything, but there's this like depth to it. There's this nuance between the characters, between the the relationship between the antagonist and protagonist that makes it interesting. And I think the chemistry between those two actors like really is what the thing that hammers at home. Yeah, no, I I completely agree. I think that because Keanu Reeves' acting is kind of subpar. It 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 works. Partially, it's because it's Keanu Reeves, and I'm kind of inclined to just love him anyways. But it it, <laughs> it fits kind of with how campy this movie feels. Uh, and yeah. I I don't know if it would hold up as well if it was actually like this Oscar award winning actor leading it, uh, because it would kind of throw off the 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 feel of this movie. Like yeah, having it fits with the tone so nicely. Yes, yeah, having like Gary Busey and uh, Keanu Reeves yell at each other on a cliffside over LA like you're like groaning but also really enjoying it at the same time you know like <laughs> yes. beca because these guys these two guys are doing this it's why it's a cliche for you to do this in your film you know uh yeah which I I, I do really like so there were definitely times where I, I was questioning I was like wait a second is Keanu Reeves bad at acting but like <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, it just felt like it fit so well with this. And I echo your sentiment on Keanu Reeves being a beach bum. He does that role so well. And maybe he's channeling a little bit of his Bill and Ted's excellent adventure uh, dialogue there. But some of my favorite ones he had in this one was like when he told FBI Dr. Cox, he's like, caught my first tube this morning, which is <laughs> hilarious. And then like the scene where he is they're getting the hair samples so they have to come up with like a, a fake reason to get somebody's hair oh yeah yeah <laughs> he goes uh he, he goes up to that guy and he like take like apparent like he crushes the bug that's going into his ear that he's like saved your life man close one you know like <laughs> there's like a distinct change in his tone between the first sentence and the second one like the first one is like he's like you you know like you owe me like don't get pissed off dude i saved your life but then after he's like kind of happy it's like you know we both vict are victorious here you know close one dude you know <laughs> that's so funny which is so it's so i mean uh. keanu reeves plays that part so well and also at the end 
Even when it's supposed to be serious, they bring in the like the surfer culture when he throws down the mask, the uh the Yeah. Uh wait, wait which mask he is? It's Reagan. The, yeah. He throws down the Reagan mask and then he's like, lose something, brah. Like <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's just amazing. Uh, so yeah, Keanu Reeves obviously very amazing in this movie, but from an like, in, but you know, in a kind of a campy way, but in a legitimately like great acting way, Patrick Swayze is so good, and and the character he plays is equally uh, impressive. Like, because he's a big bad villain, obviously very powerful, influential, but he's not actually like that. He's not so bad. He's really just an amazing leader who's also an adrenaline junkie. Um, he's searching for the ultimate ride, which is a really good... Like, if you're a surfer guy, that has to be your motivation. Just looking for the ultimate ride, dude. Then <laughs> then I can say that I've lived a good life, you know? I'm just trying to go to Carowinds, man. Yes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's actually not the first reference for Carowinds on this uh, on this podcast. So, uh, shout out to Carowinds. Please sponsor us. Um, but he's... Yeah, he's willing to try multiple avenues to find that like ultimate ride. I know it's probably like he's mostly referencing surfing, but he does plenty of things for the thrill. Uh, yeah, not just skydiving to end the summer, which what an awesome ceremony to end the summer. Go skydiving, uh, yeah. but also robbing banks. They do it mostly for the thrill. So uh, like that's really that makes him him a interesting person. But he's also a trained fighter who hates violence. Did you notice this? Like no. when they get in a fight with the Nazis on the beach, he's a fighter. Like he can like block and counter and, you know, has a stance to it and everything, which I felt like kind of went unexplained, but it also just adds to his complexity that he's obviously practiced some sort of martial arts. Uh, and then also he has such a, like, he's such a caring leader. He's not just, he does not just a guy with goons that follow him uh, for no reason. He's not one of the Joker's goons uh, who mm. get shot by the Joker for doing their job. Instead, he's, you know, he cares about them when they die. You know, he feels that emotion. Um, and it, which I, I think just makes him more compelling. Although I didn't think that the, it was hard for me to distinguish who was who in his little gang of uh, yeah, characters. Yeah, he had long hair, long blonde hair. Yeah, but, and again, I don't think it mattered all that much. Um, like, I didn't even realize Rosie was supposed to be, like, distinct among them because he's, like, the killer, you know? He's mm. the one who can... I was like, huh? Okay, I guess. You know, when they talk about... He was him, the only one not surfing at night. He was, like, the one spitting uh, alcohol in the fire. Right, and he was also the guy who threatened their own people because he was like, you run, you die. And it's like, oh, okay. Like, Rosie just can turn it on and turn it off. You know, he's a bro, but he also was willing to... He's a mechanism. Yeah, he can murder you in cold blood, even if you're, like, his friend. So um, so I, I felt like they kind of acted like a monolith. Like, they were... It was, like, bro, uh, Bodhi and Bodhi's goons. Uh, but yeah. but I think that works. Like it, it didn't feel like we were lacking extra characters. There are plenty of deep characters in there. Um, and also, I know we've kind of criticized some of the the dialogue, but I think that a lot of it did go over well. Kind of like the intense FBI, like especially with uh, FBI Doctor Cox. Like those kind of conversations where they're like, "Your ass is on the line, buddy." You know that kind of thing is great, and it's what you need out of a like campy FBI action film like this. Uh, so I, I did, I did like that just quickly. I want to bring up the, the love story in this film. Um, I think it's an important part of this film. I think it's an important part of surf culture kind of to find your beach babe. And, uh, it's also a useful plot device to get Tyler into the surfing culture. Like it makes sense that he becomes part of this trusted group of surfers because he's one, he's one of the trusted groups 
like significant other and uh so it's genuine it's believable it adds an extra aspect of complexity because you're trying to figure out if this is a true love thing for johnny or if it's just if he's just a cold uh calculated fbi agent who's using this as another advantage to help him crack the case right uh which is the great conflict for johnny either sticking to the law or you know, joining this amazing group that he has been accepted <laughs> into. You know, he's lucky yeah. to be a part of and to go do these things with them. So, um, it the love story does feel a little bit unresolved at the end because the last two things that happen between him and Tyler is she is totally heartbroken because he deceived her, and then he rescues her uh, at the end. And that's the last thing you see. They hug, they kiss, that's all that stuff, you know, happy ending, whatever. But I could also see her going her own way because their whole love story was a farce. So they let you draw your own conclusion there, which I think is fine. You know, it, it, the, yeah. the love story, I think they, they closed that loop. Um, but it, it wasn't like anything that blew me away. Also, I think it's important that I know we've showered praise on Keanu Reeves and uh, Patrick Swayze, but Gary Busey is great in this movie. And I, I don't think people bring him up enough when they talk about Point Break. It, no, I don't think they do. On Wikipedia, <laughs> they call this a buddy cop film. So implying oh, okay. that the main characters are Keanu Reeves and Gary Busey. Also, definitely just referring to him as Gary Busey, not Pappy or whatever his character's <laughs> name was. Because he's uh, What was his name? I think it's... Poppy or Pappy, something along the Angelo. No, that's not what they call him. That's that's what they call him the whole movie, Angelo. They definitely called him Pappas. They did not call him Pappas. You weren't watching with subtitles on, dude. Look on IMDb. They call him Pappas. I wasn't watching with subtitles on. It is they do, but they call him Angelo. That's probably his real name. (laughs) Like his (laughs) is you know instead of their. uh, I heard him say Angelo so many times, I never saw heard him say Pappas. They definitely say Pappas. <laughs> well, okay. But while we're talking about names and like using your real name versus like your nickname, we didn't mention this on our Avengers podcast, but the line where Spider-Man is, uh, <laughs> where he's like, oh, we're using our fake names. Then I'm Spider-Man. Like he introduces himself as Peter Parker. So funny, dude. I wish I'd said that on the podcast. Anyways. <laughs> um, let's get back to point break here. Uh, and um, Yeah, Gary Busey is great in this movie. Yes. I mean, he, he does... I mean, he's like the classic, oh, I'm too old for this he uh, is. You know, guy. You know, and he's like, I've been on this, you know, I've been working this case uh, since you were in diapers. You know, I've been working this case since you were popping zits in your forehead. You know, right. uh, uh, whatever. Like, I've been doing this for a long time. And oh, that whole thing where he like has to get bricks out of the water. He's like, I don't understand. I've been, I've fired my piece 19 times in the line of duty. I don't understand what grabbing bricks out of the <laughs> fool have to do anything, anything. Right. And he's like, yeah, not only is he old and experienced, but he's still capable. Like, after complaining about getting the bricks, he does, like, a side flip into the pool. Yeah. So it's like, he's still got it. He's he's too <laughs> old for this, but he's still got it, you know? Yeah, and I love his, like, little, like, his, like, uh, improv things. Like, when he has to go, he's like, uh, I'm looking for a little dog. Scooby, Scooby. Oh, yeah, so convincing, yeah. <laughs> or when he runs into uh, um, uh, Keanu and, uh, and Patrick Swayze, he has to think on his feet because he thinks he has to go rescue him. And he's like... Did you see a kid with a car stereo drive? Like, <laughs> yeah, him? which was yeah, that was super slick. I liked that too. And then the, the, uh, Keanu Reeves plays it off. Johnny Utah plays it off so smoothly, also because he's like, you might want to check out those four guys back there. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. That's pretty good. Um, <laughs> so, also um, FBI Doctor Cox, 
I <laughs> I should probably say his actual uh, name. John C. McGinley, is that he? Well, he plays he plays yeah. like the guy who's in charge of the FBI and he's a really good commissioner or whatever you want to call him, like the like you're way out of line, that kind of and <laughs> and he has a lot of lines that are kind of cringy, but because he's Dr. Cox, like he's so talented at chewing people out, it, you don't even notice it. You know, you just all you see is somebody like giving out judgment with their words which i oh, yeah. I, I really did enjoy Constantly. from him like it's they're, they're both great gary Busey and fbi dr cox are so good as their like stereotypical like fbi law enforcement roles yeah they, they are both a little one-dimensional but they both are entertaining for this movie okay so uh, there's one thing that's really frustrating about this movie for me and that's that i feel like it, there's depth there that, and i want that i want to explore but I, I, I really want to be able to say, like, oh, you guys are missing something huge here. There's so much under the surface that you just need to pay attention and you get it, right? There's all these hidden things. If you put them together, it makes, like, a perfect picture. And I, I don't know. I don't think it's true. There's a, there is a little bit there. There's something there. And, if, like, a couple more lines of dialogue, a little bit more, like, uh, you know, could have pushed it over to the edge of, like, oh, this is a movie about something else. You know, it's not just about, you know, a, a quarterback who joins the FBI and then he has to infiltrate some, you know, surfer bros who are robbing banks. It's it's like, oh, this is really a commentary on two different competing ideologies and how they come butting heads. Like, it's almost there. It's so close to there. And I we'll talk about that later, but like it's I feel like there's a really solid build up and there are these little clues here and there, but it ultimately doesn't deliver enough. Um and it's disappointing. Yeah, I think that's true. Uh, there's there's so many things going for this film, but as far as like the message behind it, it does definitely get um, kind of murky. And uh, oh yeah, it, it's so. And I I definitely didn't draw any like any conclusive uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. lessons from this film. But yeah, we, we will obviously get deeper into that a little bit later. I think this movie. Well, I think this movie is technically a John Wick prequel. Because okay. it was made before John Wick, but also because the things that happened in it uh, make sense for him to f- become John Wick in the future. Uh, and I'll, mm. give you, I'll give you some reasons why. So at the beginning of this film, we see a montage of Johnny Utah hitting all these targets in target practice. He's doing some sort of qualifier for the FBI. And he does amazingly, in the rain no less, and receives a 100% good job from the drill sergeant. So he's he has an amazing a clipboard, shot. Which is also outside. Like, it's going <laughs> to ruin that whole sheet of paper. Well, it's easy because, you know, he got a 100%. So he could just, they already good know job. that he did everything. Yeah. And he got a good job from the drill sergeant. And that drill sergeant looked like a hard ass. So, you know, it's high praise. <laughs> he also, throughout this movie. Wait, 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 wait. Didn't we learn on a different podcast that there are no two words more harmful than good job? <laughs> I don't know if we learned that, but we definitely came across that concept. Um, but this isn't the Whiplash episode, so I'm going to try to keep it as... Also, it's not the John Wick episode, so I guess that <laughs> I can't use that as an argument. But I don't think that's necessarily true, because he he clearly goes on to accomplish big things here. So right. <laughs> he also just kicks ass throughout this entire movie. Uh, he beats up guys on the beach you know he raids that house he jumps out of an airplane with no parachute and a pistol dude that's so john wick of him to jump out of a like with only a pistol uh and and i think this is the most compelling piece of evidence at the end of the movie 
Utah throws his badge into the ocean, signaling his departure from law enforcement uh, and his obvious entrance into the world of crime. So it's mm. uh, it's definitely confirmed a John Wick prequel. For sure. The only thing... Oh, I have one uh, counterpoint, though. Okay. Doesn't he dropkick a dog in this movie? <laughs> <laughs> Dang, that is such a good <laughs> counter argument. <laughs> 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 oh my gosh because that is one of the things that makes john wick such a compelling hero is his his murder spree begins with the death of his amazing dog <laughs> all right well let's just uh we'll, we'll leave it there I'll table that yeah our, our listeners can can draw their own conclusion as to whether or not this is a john wick prequel um but yeah just to finish up our overall discussion i think one of the things that really makes this movie iconic it really makes it stick in your brain is the ending and the way that our antagonist goes out by choosing to die riding the most epic wave and uh it's set up so well that this is his ending and it's just it's amazing and i think it's partially why this movie is so iconic yeah for sure i mean he lets him get away right he like he finally he grants him his one wish and i mean Based on the uh, quote from earlier, which we'll get to in a minute, but like this was something that, you know, John Johnny lets him win in that moment. Essentially, he lets him go and and lets him go out in his own terms, which is like way more powerful than like saying like having Johnny bring him in and conform to that law and everything. And yeah, I mean, you can tell that he's conflicted even in that moment. He spent all like all this time running and chasing him, and he finally catches him. He finally gets him you know, the last, basically his last chance of, of ever catching him. And, um, and then he gives up after that. He says, this is it. This is, I can't do this anymore. I, I have to leave this kind of life behind because I just don't believe it anymore. It's pretty, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. And it's, 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 it completes the arc for oh, yeah. Johnny Utah, who at the beginning is, you know, the cookie cutter FBI rookie. And at the end, he decides to leave that life behind and throws badge into the ocean. So it, yeah, super cool. All right, I think we're ready to go into our Easter eggs. So, Joey, you got any cool Easter eggs? I got so many cool Easter eggs. First of all, they mention something uh, in passing. They call it Patrick's Roadhouse, which I believe is a reference to uh, Patrick Swayze's movie Roadhouse. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, I, did, I did notice that. I was like, it's Patrick's Roadhouse. And for a second, I was like, oh, this is the like restaurant that he owns, the character owns. And I was like, oh, wait, his, his name isn't Patrick Swayze. <laughs> Apparently, it's a real place, though. Patrick's Roadhouse is a real place. Um, also, Patrick Swayze is like a, he's a real life like skydiver. He loves jumping out of planes. He, like, cool. He, uh, he jumped out of a plane like more than 50 times for this movie. Wow. That's really cool. And yeah. um, have you ever gone skydiving? I have not. I haven't either. I had a chance when I was a freshman, like a bunch of people were getting together to do it, but I, I didn't do it. And after I was like, dang, I, I might never skydive. Still haven't. Still haven't either. <laughs> you know what? Maybe we should do an episode, an all skydiving episode. Where, where we, we just go begin- skydiving and it's just like wind noises for an hour. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, we just begin the episode by jumping out of the plane and then whatever we can talk about before we hit the ground. See you in hell, Johnny. <laughs> I love that. T- okay, I'm glad you brought that up too because he's like, see you in hell, Johnny. And he goes, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right, what another, else? Another, so uh, there's a couple of things that like, kind of reflect real life in this and not just the things I've already mentioned, but Keanu Reeves actually learned to surf for this movie and after that he continued to surf and like love surfing now 
So just like we said earlier, where it's a lifestyle, you know, it changed the way he thinks or whatever. Yeah, he had a reason to surf, which was, you know, infiltrating the, uh, this, these uh, bank robbers or starring in a movie. And then he took it up and it became a lifestyle. It became a way, a way of, uh, you know, a, a release for him. So that's that's really cool. cool. And uh, also, uh, Keanu Reeves became an actor after he suffered a knee injury while playing hockey. He was like an up-and-coming hockey player, and then he uh, left that behind after he got a knee injury. Is he Canadian? I don't know. Damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Keanu Reeves. Keanu Charles Reeves, whose first name means cool breeze over the mountains in Hawaiian, was born in Lebanon. Is that in Canada? (laughs) (laughs) Spoken like a true American. Okay, so he's not Canadian, but uh, still playing hockey. Still playing hockey. Okay. Um, Swayze's character, so Patrick Swayze's character, um, owned a 57 Chevy in the movie Dirty Dancing, uh, which is a reference that he makes in this movie. He he looks at uh, Keanu Reeves' board, and he says, that looks like an old 57 Chevy that I used to have. Okay, and then he says that, and then pause for applause because <laughs> it's so awkward when he says that he's like i used to have a 57 chevy that looked like that and, and then, he looks directly like, at the camera and winks at you well it's just like what it's just keanu reeves just staring back at him and then he turns to tyler he's like hey tyler and says it starts a different conversation but it's just like when i saw it, i was like uh okay that, is that that's supposed to be me funny? whenever someone says something like that to me i have no idea anything about i don't know anything about cars <laughs> well, like, I was, yeah i i didn't know i didn't get the reference so i was like okay i guess 57 chevys suck or maybe they're <laughs> awesome i i don't know is, is this a compliment or is this an insult does the board literally look like that exact car like i have no idea and uh he, there's definitely no response from any other character they're all just like pause for dirty dancing you know like <laughs> Um, and of course, the I think one of the greatest cameos in this movie is uh, red, the Red Hot Chili Peppers. They're they're in this movie. There are a couple of them play different parts, different uh, members of that goon squad, the Nazi the goon squad. Oh Not wait, no. Person. Oh, that that's the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Who totally get murked by uh, John Utah and his crew? Nice. That's a really cool cameo. I had no idea that th- that was them. They were there. Um, they got, yeah, they still got to beat up Keanu Reeves. And I mean, there's a lot of good shots of them like actually beating him up. So that'd be pretty cool. You know, what a great uh, opportunity. He's like, hey, why don't you come in here and beat up our lead actor? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's if I ever achieve any level of fame, this is the type of cameos <laughs> how, I'm trying to go for. This is how you know you've achieved a success if you get a cameo like this. Or you get to beat up Keanu Reeves. It's the goal <laughs> of any like person who reaches any level of fame um <laughs> it's getting harder and harder as time goes on well that's yeah i mean more people are getting famous so more and more select group gets to totally wail on him yeah but he's getting better and better at fighting <laughs> that's so true um <laughs> well um one of my easter eggs was actually something that you taught me how to do and now I can't stop doing it is whenever they show security camera footage I, it, that used to that was also sh- like a shot from a previous scene is determining whether or not it's actually security camera footage so the part where one of the ex-presidents moons everyone in the bank it's, and his, it says thank you on his butt cheeks 
that is filmed like a like a cinematic way. They fought like the camera moves, stops on his butt, and then he exits the door, and then it rewinds to show a security cam of this exact same shot. Literally nothing changed. It's the exact same camera. So either there are mobile security cameras following the action inside the bank, or they got lazy and they didn't get a different shot for the mooning. So and I caught them. Got them. <laughs> But yeah, you, uh, but, but how funny is it when he recognizes him because he pulls his <laughs> pants down? <laughs> I know that butt. I would know that butt anywhere. Uh, yes, I actually, we are going to go in depth about that particular uh, scene a little bit later um, in our quotes. But one more Easter egg for you. The beach football scene. scene. And... I was super excited. I forgot that there was beach football in this movie. And I love beach football. That's one of my favorite things to do because sand and slash or water is a lot softer to land on. So you can actually do kind of tackles when you're playing on the beach. Uh, But a couple things I noticed because I'm an avid football fan. First off, there is egregious pass interference out there. The there, <laughs> two-handed shove off before uh, a reception in one of the scenes here, which no one blew a whistle, which I was totally disappointed by. But they also included a Statue of Liberty play, which is where you throw the ball downfield, the wide receiver catches it, and then he pitches it back to another guy who's running at full sprint to take advantage of his momentum and send him down the field. Uh, well executed. I noticed that Johnny Utah is a southpaw, which he throws with his left hand. So I'm, I'm guessing Keanu Reeves is left-handed or he was method acting, going totally Johnny mm. Utah. And Johnny Utah is a southpaw. <laughs> <laughs> also, he had some really, like, I, I think he may have done some research on, like, being a quarterback because he did a, a play action, which is where you fake the handoff. Like, you act like you're handing the ball to the running back. And it fooled me in real time because he switched hands. So it looks like he's handing the ball off, but he's actually holding it by in his hand. Just very well executed. That's a genuine you, uh, compliment. Did you, this isn't the only movie that Keanu Reeves plays a, fo- a uh, quarterback in. You ever see The Replacements? I haven't seen the replacements, but I have seen like pictures of Keanu Reeves in the replacements because recently March Madness, there was like a best sports movie of all time mm. bracket, which actually brings up to me, it brings it up to me that this could, could be in my like top sports movies ah. because it really is about a quarterback. This whole movie is the tale of like a quarterback who got too injured, which is a very common thing to have happen in football, not just for quarterbacks, anybody just having these career ending injuries. Um, so I'm definitely uh, kind of as a cheeky ploy because I actually don't really like sports movies all that much, although at least the Replacements ones I've seen. is really good. Well, I like sports movies that are about something else, like where the sport is kind of like dodgeball, where it's like the sport is kind yeah, of a vehicle for other stuff. Like the, it's like the if it's a unique premise, if it's a unique sport, yes, know, then, it, then it's more interesting. But also it's like winning in a movie doesn't matter. Like the whole reason that sports are entertaining is because uh, the stakes are real like, and there's no defined outcome. Um, like if the 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 team wins the big game. It's like, okay. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, that's never heard interesting. You know, it's always about the story behind it. You know, right. It's like, and then the, the, the winning of the game is just symbolic. And I guess maybe I shouldn't generalize because there's so many sports movies. It's just um, not a genre I'm necessarily drawn to, and I want to cheekily put this one in that genre. <laughs> okay. I, I'm all for it. Um, they also do good cinematography because, I mean, they're not really playing football, and it's really easy for it to look lame when they're doing that, but they do a good job of focusing on the action and not showing all the other players because all the other players, I'm sure, are looking ridiculous. Like, the the blocking, because they're playing with an offensive line, looks probably looks ridiculous, and they good 
could do a good job of avoiding that. I know that this is, I'm going on pretty long with this bit going in depth, but this next part I think is pretty important because when on the big like reception that our antagonist has, that uh, Patrick Swayze has, uh, and Johnny Utah is tasked with tracking him down and tackling him into the ocean. Yeah. In route to making that tackle, Johnny Utah blows up not one, not two, not three, not four, but five different blockers. He blows them up in route to catching up with Patrick Swayze, which is pretty amazing. That would be definitely a top 10 highlight if someone did that in real life. And it was foreshadowing because he was the one he was chasing all along. Ooh, so, yeah. That, so, that was good. <laughs> that was worth it all for me. <laughs> So I love the beach football scene. Also, I did a little bit of research because they they try to put him into like the college football cinematic universe by saying that he played for Ohio State quarterback number nine. He played for Ohio State beat uh, SC in the Rose Bowl, which SC could be South Carolina, but it's definitely not. They're definitely talking about Southern Cal and Southern Cal played Ohio State in the Rose Bowl in 1969. So maybe they were trying to make him... Uh, Rex Harper, who was the 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 quarterback then, but I don't think so because um, wouldn't he have been too young if it would happen in 1969? Like, wouldn't he have been like when, a little kid? I don't know kid? when this movie is placed. I mean, it was filmed in 1991, but I don't know when it was placed. Well, because the, uh, one way to know was it was 80. It was a plane crash in 84 is what killed Tyler's parents. Okay, and she was born in 1964. So if they're a similar age, that would make him five years old when that game happened if they were right. the same age so right. i don't think it is the so youngest reference. quarterback ever right <laughs> winning the rose bowl which the rose bowl is the national championship so okay anyways i just wanted to get my sports bit in there and also while i'm talking about sports check out at or the, check out he's done it uh the podcast that i do with some of my friends about sports um we talk about sports. If you liked that bit, you might want to check out that podcast <laughs> instead of this one. Uh, but okay, that's going to close up our Easter egg section. And now we're on to our quotable moments. And I believe you have our first one, Joey. He's a real searcher. What's he searching for? The ride. The ultimate ride. So this kind of sets up Bodhi. I mean, this is the first time you, you, you see him at all. And he's like, who is that guy? And he's like so drawn to him. Um, and I mean, this sets up his whole... Uh, like Bodhi's character in like a great way, right? What's he searching for? The ultimate ride. Um, and whether, wherever that comes from, you know, maybe that's surfing, maybe that's uh, skydiving, maybe that's Robin Banks. Yeah, it doesn't maybe. Matter. It doesn't matter what it is, you know? It's just as long as you get that adrenaline rush, that's what, you, that's what it's, uh, it's all about. It's important that it's that ride, not the, the ultimate wave, right? Even though it does end up being the ultimate wave, but it's really the, the thrills that he's after. So it could be anything. That's right. Come on, next one. You want the ultimate, you gotta be willing to pay the ultimate price. It's not tragic to die doing what you love. That's how I wanna go. Hell, I ain't gonna live to see 30. Again, like going off of the ultimate kind of theme here, right? The ultimate price. And this, of course, this foreshadows Bodhi's death uh, because when he does go into the waves and it's uh, claimed by that giant wave, uh, he, you know, he doesn't die a tragic death, right? He, uh, he goes out doing what he loves. He's paying the ultimate price for the ultimate, um, you know, experience, the ultimate ride. Yeah, it's, it's kind of beautiful the way they set it up because it's such, it is the way that he wanted to go out. Um, and also these other characters, 
the guy who says, I'm not going to live to see 30. Correct. You aren't. <laughs> and, uh, and, but, but they agree with him, right? Like they, it's all about the thrill, um, live fast, die young kind of mentality, yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, which also, so, I, well, I, I wanted to bring up Roach's death because I think Roach had one of the more visually compelling deaths because he, he dies, I guess, on his way down, uh, with the parachute. Uh, but when he lands, his parachute is like held open by the wind and the money is kind of flowing out of his bag and it creates kind of a, a really beautiful scene um for like the last shot of roach which i i just I, I just thought was really visually compelling in the middle of all this chaos there's this kind of beautiful like flow of money and i'm sure you can draw meaning from that as well like maybe the money doesn't matter you know once you're dead you can't take it with you but uh i just i thought that was cool so not only did Patrick Swayze have an amazing death, but I think that his his goons, his his buddies, also kind of went out in a maybe in a less exciting way. Some of them died in the bank, but it's like they went out on that last ultimate ride. Yeah, always. You know, which is the, the way, way they wanted to go. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah, it's not about how far you know. It's not about how long you live. It's about how you how you live your life. Right. All every cliche you could. I'm here for the yeah. good time, not the long time. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I have the next one. You all right? You look like you saw a ghost. Forget about it, kid. They're ghosts. I gotta go. I thought this was so funny because you kind of brought it up earlier, but it was like <laughs> this guy shows his ass and then he's like, oh, I was like, and Counter Reeves is like, oh, it's him. <laughs> 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 it's that butt again the butt for my dreams yes it's just uh but also because of the way that they do it because the movie could have taken a drastic turn from here because they're like <laughs> it's like you look like you saw a ghost and he like, cut back to uh gary Busey going like forget it kid they're ghosts and he could be like like realizing like the the bank robbers are ghosts <laughs> like you know like bring it to the movie. <laughs> And that's when he realizes he's been going like the wrong way this whole time. And it's actually like a supernatural occurrence Ooh. that the banks are being robbed. And also Patrick Swayze is clearly a ghost. Like that's I mean, what yeah, he's like. No, yeah, it could be a ghost, right? Just like in the movie Ghost. Exactly. Um, I guess or, a reference you know, to that too. <laughs> <laughs> or he has to use his spirit, spirituality, which he gained through surfing, to contact the spirit realm so that he can uh, help fight ghosts uh, who are also bank robbers. This is yeah. Actually, add that to our <laughs> to the genre. This is also a uh, a horror movie because it has ghosts in it. So, <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> okay, next quote. And this is when they're uh, they're staking out the bank, and like the scene opens with Gary Busey going like. <laughs> This Calvin and Hobbes is funny. Which I, I think is so ridiculous. Like, Gary Busey loves the, the comic section of the newspaper way too much in this movie. Like, it, it's so distracting for him. Like, he, he's there to stay out of this bank, but he can't keep himself from just, like, doubling over with laughter from, like, each and every comic strip. Like, he's just absolutely, like, making a meal of every single punchline that's in this, uh, this newspaper. Uh, but he does specifically say that this Calvin and Hobbes is funny, and I love Calvin and Hobbes. This is definitely my favorite comic strip ever when i was a kid uh discovering like the you know all because calvin hobbs has ended when i was a kid but like i found the books of calvin hobbs comic strips love them uh, if you haven't ever read calvin hobbs i mean you don't have to but if you're looking for a comic strip to read i recommend it you ever read calvin hobbs yes i did i had my dad had a bunch of the books so i read a bunch of them 
Yeah, they're they are incredible. There's also that really good documentary uh, where they talk about like what happened to the uh, the artist and the author. Bill Watterson. Yeah, and um, all this stuff. It's called Dear Mr. Watterson. It's really really interesting. Um, yeah, because it was super popular. Like the fact yeah. that it ended, it was kind of like his decision, uh, which is kind of cool. Also, all the Calvin peeing on things like that people put on their trucks. I hate those. It's so disrespectful. It is. But I, I, this is, I don't know what you're talking about because this is exactly how I enjoy comics. Every Sunday, <laughs> I open up the newspaper and that's where I go to. And then I go, ha, 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 this is hilarious. <laughs> I don't share it or tell anyone else about it. I just, you know, enjoy it in that moment. So I haven't received a newspaper in so long. I don't even, I can't even make a reference to a current comic show. I would, if I was doing this, I would say exactly what Gary Busey. If I was doing a bit, I would say Calvin and Hobbes because it's the only one. Not even, oh, I think Garfield is actually still in the newspaper. Garfield right? is still around. Lasagna cat, man nice okay well <laughs> there's your, there's another one for you okay um our next quote so you trust me okay then don't worry about this guy i know exactly what to do with him which th- this is when they're around the fire at the end of the film or close to the end of the film they know that uh, johnny utah is an fbi agent and everybody wants to kill him but Patrick Swayze, or Bodie, has a plan for him. And boy, does he deliver on that plan. Like, it's, it's the classic, I've got a plan, and then they cut away so you don't know the plan. Right. But it's, it is maniacal. First, he turns Tyler on him. He tells Tyler who Johnny actually is, and which like ruins their relationship. She pulls a gun on him, which is a nice reveal, too, because there's a gun walking in his room, and you're like, oh, no, he's going to shoot him, but it's actually Tyler. Um, but then they kidnap her, but, he, but Johnny doesn't know that yet. They make him jump out of a plane with a parachute that he thinks is going to not work, and then they show him that his girl has been like captured, and she's going to die if he doesn't do what they need him to do which is assist them in robbing a bank and then he's gonna go to jail like what an amazing plot that Swayze uh, put together if he if only he could have executed it I mean it's it's pretty elaborate and kind of I feel like the ending of this movie that whole like his whole plan isn't probably one of the weakest parts because it's kind of hard to follow like exactly what what's going on the thing that doesn't well I guess you can kind of make sense of it is that the plan doesn't work because of Bodhi because he tells them to go for the safe, which he yeah. never does. And maybe you could say it's like a one last bank robbery, so they need to get enough money to survive. But at the same time, they know that that's, that's not going to work. That's going to be the reason that they don't make it. So uh, I think maybe he was like, this is it. I'm ending it. Yeah. But by making that decision, he's killing his friends. So that's kind of makes him a bad person. Uh, but I guess what I want to get across with just this quote in particular is... Bodhi is the leader that we all believe him to be. He is, there's a reason these people follow him. It's because he's amazing at planning and executing these heists and apparently kidnappings and hostage situations. Oh, so, yeah. Um, just an amazing villain. My next quote Fear causes hesitation, and hesitation will cause your worst fears to come true. So it's simple you project strength to avoid conflict this is some like yoda level uh philosophy here from uh um, <laughs> from bodhi fear leads to anger <laughs> anger leads to hate hate leads to suffering um i i like this idea though it's it's like this you know fake it till you make it kind of thing um and it's just another little 
uh, aspect of Bodhi's personality. It's his his worldview that gets put put forward in this movie. Um, he does. There's lots of little moments. Every time you talk to Bodhi, he kind of has this little you know line of philosophy to give you, and it kind of builds up his his uh, the way he sees the world and his worldview. So that makes it. I don't know. It's interesting. Um, and I do like this idea, at least, that you can just come in there with confidence, right? Come in there with superior f- uh, firepower, and then everyone will listen to you because they're, they're afraid. But as soon as you show a little crack in the armor, as soon as you're, you show you're afraid, that's when people start getting their own ideas. And that's when people get hurt. Um, and then there's this last one. It's a killer rush. Buddy, this is your fucking wake-up call, man. I am an FBI agent. I know, man. Isn't it wild? But you know, that's what makes it great, Johnny. We can exist on a different plane. We can make our own rules. Why be a servant to the law when you can be its master? Fucking A. I love this fucking job. This is pretty soon after that. And he's talking to, to Johnny Utah. And he, again, this is like these two guys' um, whole worldview, their whole ideologies are coming in conflict here. Johnny Utah is very much by the books, follow the law. You know, this is the right way to do things. And Bodie's like, no, there's a different way. No, we, you know, I see the thing, I see the world through a different lens. And, uh, you know, I, I see the world as something to, to be conquered, uh, whereas you see it as something to, you know, conform to. Um, they, I don't know, it's a, again, like a, an interesting way of showing Bodhi's um, worldview, his whole ideology, and kind of builds up that whole um, idea, which, again, I don't think it pays off as well as I want it to, but it, it gets, it's almost there. It's so close. There's, there is depth there. Right. It makes sense that he has a worldview that would cause him to say something like this, but it does feel a little bit half baked. And, and I think we should, we should really explore that a little deeper, um, <laughs> which I guess means that, you know, what time it is. It is time for us to go a little deeper, deeper, deeper. So Bodhi's worldview, does it make sense? We just heard a little bit of a quote from him, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play another one right now that kind of boils it down to like one paragraph. So we'll, we'll listen to that right now. This was never about money for us. It was about us against the system. That system that kills the human spirit. We stand for something. To those dead souls inching along the freeways in their metal coffins, we show them that the human spirit is still alive. And I'll be honest, this is this sounds inspirational, especially when he calls people in cars, uh, people uh, dead souls in metal coffins. How poetic! <laughs> I mean, don't you feel like that? Don't you feel like you're a cog in the machine when you sit in traffic? I, well, I don't sit in traffic because I live next to work, so I don't okay. have to. <laughs> like, I I do feel that way when I'm in traffic, which is why I do everything in my power to avoid it. Um, <laughs> luckily, Oklahoma City, a great place to live because the commute is not that bad. Hmm. Uh, shout out to OKC. But does this worldview go beneath the surface? Because it sounds great. Yeah, work sucks. Just surf, bro. Chase your thrills. But is that really a good policy? Can that really be enacted across the entire society? Would we still have a country if everyone thought like this? No, I mean, no. I mean, the, like, society has to account for a certain level of people, certain number of people that just cheat, right? You have to have, you have to, it's like, um, like corporations that raise their prices slightly to account for employee theft. It's something that they that they know is going to happen, and they can do a lot to stop it, but they're not going to be able to catch all of it. And so they just you know account for it in the finances. The I mean that's kind of how this works too. It's like oh we just 
we're just going to have to let some people get by based on the, you know, on their crazy ideas, but not everyone can think that way. Otherwise, everything would fall apart. So yeah, I, I agree. It's not sustainable at all. What's interesting is that like Bodhi invokes a few things that remind me of Buddhism. And I think that's where this like, this is the most frustrating to me. Like, okay, so first of all, Bodhi is a type of tree. And that type of tree is the tree that the Buddha sat under when he became enlightened. And there's actually a word that they reference, that they call him. Say like Bodhi is short for Buddha's, Buddha's Vista? Buddha's, Buddha's Tafa? That's Buddha's what they Tafa. call him when they first see him surfing. Right. Which basically means enlightened one or uh, on the road to be enlightened. I just found a couple different different definitions for that. Um, so then this is very much a Buddhist uh, idea that him being called Bodhi is very much like he's into Buddhism. Um, and then there's, there's one line he says near the end where he says, see you in the next life, which again, Buddhism is about reincarnation. So that is a something that goes into it. But I, this whole idea of him like, like going with the flow or like riding the wave and stuff. That's not really Buddhism as much as it is Taoism. Like Taoism is all about like being in harmony with the world or like, you know, uh, kind of being more existential, like letting things kind of flow, letting things kind of pass through you and not being so like attached to things. Although attachment is also Buddhism. So there is an overlap there. What I was trying to do was trying to see, trying to find out what, Johnny Utah's ideology was what was he embodying and my one of my guesses was Confucianism because Confucianism is more about like a like a rigid structure it's it's more traditional as far as religions go it's like more like a, a western tra- like religion than it is like these other um uh, philosophies of thought like Buddhism and Taoism are are much more like personal ideologies than they are religions even though they kind of are grouped together in the same idea if that makes any sense yeah, they can be considered like yeah, it, yeah to take that place in your life, right? But th- like all th- the, all three of those, like Confucianism, Taoism, and Buddhism, don't necessarily conflict. They're they're called like the three works or something, the three teachings. That's what it's called. And like the, these these three things work together, and a lot of people kind of agree with all parts of it or take aspects from all parts of it. And like all throughout Chinese culture, actually. Um, all three of these things have been in place, although in different like levels or different amounts, like different dynasties were more heavily Confucianism, Confucianist than others, if that makes any sense. But it, but the thing is, these things don't conf- conflict necessarily. They don't butt heads directly. They do have a couple things that are like not in line with each other because Confucianism, again, is like more of like a religion, whereas Buddhism kind of re- rejects religion. So it's a... I don't know. It doesn't quite work. That's the, that's the problem with this is that like Johnny Utah doesn't do anything that's explicitly Confucianist or even like Taoist or even like anything that's necessarily just Western philosophy, right? Like none of those things are embodied in the way he talks or the way he acts or anything like that. He's so much more fluid in his like being, right? Because he ends up being a lot more like Bodhi near the end of the movie than he does at the beginning of the movie. If he was like rigid in his thought structure, then he would never change and they would have more of a philosophical battle, but that doesn't really happen. So yeah, it's, it's just frustrating. Like, because they, they build up this idea, right? And then they, and then they kind of push it to the side. However, there's another aspect of this. And that's like, maybe like being a Zen master is not all it cracks up to be, you know, like being like, think like, I don't know, that kind of thought process, like what we were saying earlier about how Bodhi was talking about 
uh, our society is like creeps us down and like, you know, keeps us like as cogs in the machine. Get a load of this society. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we live in a society. Right. But like that kind of philosophy isn't sustainable unless you have something else backing it up. Just saying, oh, I I have some, you know, uh, Eastern um, philosophy that I sort of half read and now I'm using it as a justification for robbing banks isn't really good enough, you know? And to conflate, to put those things together to say like, oh, Buddhism says, you know, you can rob banks and that's fine is a gross misunderstanding of it, right? So it's not, it's just a, uh, it doesn't fit together is, is the whole problem. And I, and I wish it did because I feel like that would make the movie way more interesting. Yeah, I, I feel like it's something they want you to feel like Bodhi has like this deep underlying belief system that's justified like he that he through his actions, but I don't think it really is. Some of the things that he says don't necessarily line up with what he's like what he's doing. Yeah. 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 Like like um for instance, he's saying we show them that the human spirit is still alive, except through his actions, he's literally killing humans. So yeah. it, it there's parts of it that just don't line up. Um, which is, yeah, I get it is a little bit disappointing. If you're searching for something deeper here in this film, um, you're going to be a little bit disappointed because uh, while it may seem like it's it has potential for it there, I don't think it comes all the way through. Another thing that is um, like kind of half there, but I think is fun to, to th- talk about is the fem- feminist slant of this movie. Catherine Bigelow, if you didn't know, is the only woman to win Best Director at the Academy Awards. Wow. Uh, of the five that have ever been nominated, she is the only one that's won. Um, and throughout this movie, you see women kind of taking control and like, uh, you know, being strong through this movie. In the first, uh, in the very near the very beginning, Tyler saves Keanu's or Johnny Utah's life uh, by pulling him out of the surf, and then um, of course teaching him how to surf and becoming his friend. Then and there's she, that. Well, she she plays football. She catches a touchdown. That's right. She does. She's. I mean, she's one of the boys. Um, she. Uh, then there's the the naked woman in the um, um, in the crack house, like you mentioned earlier, who took out two FBI agents on her own with that with zero clothes. Yeah, no clothes involved. Like at the ultimate disadvantage. Oh, and then there's one more. I have one more like great one, which is in the bank. Right? Uh, he they're like we're going to the vault, and he goes like you, Miss Jennings, or whatever her name is, like uh, take us to the vault, and she's like. Uh, what's his name has the keys and, and then that guy instead of going g- opening the vault gives the keys to the woman and then has her open the vault for him because you know men are pigs or something like that but it's yeah but also maybe because he was too busy pissing his pants and she was the only one who you know could have go a and control do it. Of the situation yeah, yeah exactly so you know i mean i don't this movie i don't think passes the bechdel test or anything like that there's hardly any women characters hey that's a remake idea point break with, with but with women that would actually be dope, dude. I I don't know. I'm kind of against the idea of like literally making the same movie but just switching the genders. But I think it would be cool to have like beach babes that rob rob the bank. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, maybe we should watch Spring Breakers. That's kind of like that. <laughs> um, but there is a little bit of feminist kind of slant in there. You know, there's like some women that sh- that uh, show a lot of agency. Uh, Tyler is certainly like her own person and makes a lot of decisions for herself, which I think, um, you know, puts her in a good light for for sure. She doesn't seem like she's a she's along for Bodhi's ride. She doesn't know that what he's like, what he's up to, you know. Um, so it's uh, it's kind of nice uh, seeing that from a different perspective, I guess. But um, again, not quite enough there for you to say necessarily it's a feminist film at all. 
I agree. Okay, do you want to go to our ratings? Let's do it. Let's do our ratings. I will go first, and mm-hmm. I give this movie a surfboard that looks like a 57 Chevy I used to have and a brand new package of sex wax. <laughs> nice. I give this movie all the money in the bank plus some in the vault. Very nice. All right, what's next? Well, next on Affable Chat, we're going to be talking about School of Rock, which is one of my all-time favorite films ever. So this is going to be kind of just a joy ride for me. But (laughs) I love this movie, and I'm so excited to talk about it on our next episode. And uh, as we draw to a close here, I do want to plug our YouTube channel. We do make YouTube videos. Our, we don't make them as frequently as the podcast since they're a little bit more um, intense to make, but we do make YouTube videos. Check us out. Just search Affable Chat on YouTube and they'll come right up. Uh, if you enjoy the podcast, you'll enjoy the YouTube channel. We Joey, don't just talk about movies either. We don't. In fact, we haven't talked about movies at all, have we? <laughs> no, we haven't. <laughs> So uh, it's obviously more of a visual medium, so we t- explore some other ideas. Joey actually just uh, released a video about uh, idea channels and literally idea channel. So it's uh, so go check out our YouTube channel. But I think that is going to conclude our episode on Point Break. I really enjoyed it. I was happy to revisit this film. Classic Keanu Reeves. Uh, but for Affable Chat, I'm Benjamin. And I'm Joey. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Affable Chat. We're available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review. We would really appreciate it. If you have a question, comment, or want to request something for us to talk about, you can reach us at our Twitter account, at AffableChat, or our email, affablechat at gmail.com. Once again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.